0: So you know that over the past weeks we've been looking at the life of David and we have been looking particularly the last couple of weeks at how David was facing a new season in his life because he had been finally after all the years of pain he had finally been crowned uh, as king of all the tribes of Israel and for once uh, there there was unity between all the tribes so at this particular stage We've said over the last week or two that David had kind of had a revelation that it was the Lord who had finally established him. Established him to be king, established him in unity with all of the tribes. And this was a new season in his life. And so this last week or two we've been looking at how God wants us to see whatever is happening right now in your life. He wants you to see that that this can be a time where you will be ready to be established for whatever the rest of your life holds. And that from this day forward, you can, you can actually step into the best years of your life. And we've been challenging ourselves with this, because sometimes the enemy wants to make us doubt that the best years are behind us. And we're refusing to receive that. And we're saying categorically, your best years are ahead of you. And that it's time to look forward and to learn from the past, but to explode into what God has for you. And so the message today is around this word "establish," because I have not been able to get this word out of my head, because I believe God wants to do something that's going to establish us. But I think we needed to look at what the word actually means. And in the dictionary, it means to make secure or permanent in a certain place. And when I thought about that, I thought, well, that's what happens when we trust Jesus as our saviour, isn't it? We get saved, we receive by faith that Jesus has paid the price for our sins. We invite him to come in and we are anchored in him. We are actually come into this secure and permanent and certain place, which is our link with heaven and our walk with God. And it's the, it's the price that Jesus paid on the cross by taking our sins in his own body so that we could receive his forgiveness And that that we actually could know what it's like to walk with God. And so the first part of this meeting of establish is to make secure or permanent in a certain place. And I'm praying that every single person in this room today that you have had an encounter where you've invited Jesus to be your saviour. He's come in and once he comes in he doesn't go out again. He stays through thick and thin and he will work with you but he's a God who wants you to grow. And this is what the word really established means, not only to be secure or permanent, but to be free from doubt. This is an ongoing thing that God wants us to grow in faith. Getting saved, asking Jesus to be your savior is the start. It's a permanent thing because God has promised once you receive him, that the Holy Spirit will come to live in you and you are anchored in Christ. But it's an ongoing development of your faith. It's learning to trust him more. And so the second part of the meaning of establish is to be free from doubt. And the third part is to cause, to plant, to grow in a new place. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting thing from the English Dictionary, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you apply the meaning from the English Dictionary to what we know about walking with God, to what we know about being saved, it literally means that we get secure because we've received Jesus. We start to live by faith, this ongoing walk, but we're expecting the new thing, that actually God is planting something into our spirit through his word that actually starts to grow and we begin to bear fruit and it's an ongoing bearing of fruit and an ongoing confidence in God that we're ready for the new thing that God wants to spring forth. And God wants to do something new in all of your lives because he's a creative God. And he's not like the enemy. The enemy goes round and round in old territory and there's no new tricks at all. He just uses the same old stuff to harass us. But God is a God of creation and he has new things that he wants to spring forth in your life. And he wants your life to be richer this week than it was last week. And he wants the week after that to be richer again. And just to clarify, we are back again after Easter. just reminds me, my very good friend at the back here just said that I didn't make that too clear. So don't be thinking that we're finishing next week. We're just off for two weeks and we're back again until the end of May, okay? Just thought to throw that in there when it came to me. <laughs> so the thing is that God wants us to be established. And so I just wanted to say that this morning, I want you to see that to be established in God is not... It's being saved, yes, that's the start of it. But I want you to see it's about moving on in faith, and I want you to see that there's more to come, and that being established means that you're moving. You know, somebody said recently, if something stops moving, it's dead. And and the faith that we have and the relationship we have with Christ, and all that God wants to do through his church, it hasn't stopped, it's alive, because he is alive and because he is eternal, and it will never stop. But if we're not moving, then... We might as well be dead. So God wants to move us. And so I wanted to look just, and and this is real quick. We haven't time to look into this because there's a fabulous story about David today, which we want to say. But here's the thing about, um, about moving. And so our first title is Moving Into the Fullness of What Being Established Means. What does it mean? And I just picked out seven biblical references about being established. Took them out by random. I'm sure there's lots more that uh, being established means. But these are the things I picked out. And James 5 verse 8 says, You be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I just felt the first thing we needed to talk about was our hearts being established, because our hearts tend to to expect things to happen. We're built for things to happen yesterday, and we're constantly expecting God to move, and if he doesn't move today or tomorrow or next week, then we kind of go back and we lose our expectancy, and we we kind of, don't you agree, we go back into sort of thinking, well, nothing's going to change. But this word says that our hearts need to have hope. It's very interesting, in the prayer room earlier, um, I just felt to mention hope about how it's easy to come in sometimes and we feel we've lost hope. And in the middle of that conversation, Phyllis uh, just brought up, reminded us of a verse in Job and talks about hope having courage. And then I, I just looked up um, this, this, um, this verse about hope. Uh, here's what, what Phyllis said. It's a mental condition essential to life. Hope is the fuel that your heart runs on. If you don't have hope, you're out of of fuel. The car stopped. You need the fuel of hope in your life. And I just thought that was so profound. And then she went on to say, hope is the single biggest difference between those who persevere and those who give up. It's a powerful force that arouses your mind to explore and overcome and so I want to stir up your hope and isn't it interesting this verse in James 5 says you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand now we know he's coming back and as we look around a world that's going crazy we know he's coming back soon and we see the signs that are already in the prophetic word in the bible we see the signs we know that he's coming back we look at israel we see so many things getting into position we know he's coming back but you know what i think it's really important that the hope that we have in our heart is that the coming of the lord is at hand for right now for whatever's going on in your life right now, you need to have that hope that God's right there just, just in this moment of what you're going through. That he is at your hand. He's right beside you. He's actually got your hand and he's right there. And when you have that hope, everything changes because you're not alone. And he knows how to comfort. And he knows how to take you through. And he knows how to comfort your heart. And he knows how to bring your heart into a place of rest. And he wants your heart to be established in him. To be patient, trusting him and knowing that he's looking after everything and that he will take you through whatever is going on. So the first one was our, the being established means our hearts. It also means our steps. And in Psalm 40 verse 2 it says, He set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. And I believe that God wants all of you to know that he has a plan for your life. And when you get saved, you are you actually step onto the rock Christ Jesus. And he wants you to be so established in where you're standing and who you're standing on and who you're depending that actually you know that the steps that you're about to take, that they're established in God. God's planned them before the foundation of the world. And he knows what your future is. And he doesn't want to see the enemy interfering and taking you off on on diversions. He wants your steps to be straight and he wants them to be on that straight path and he wants you to keep going and know that you're on the rock and you're not about to fall off. So there's our hearts that need to be established, our steps, and then the works of our hands. Psalm 90 says, let the beauty of the Lord be upon us and establish the works of our hands. And we believe it was Moses who wrote this psalm and he actually repeats it. He says, let the the works of our, establish the works of our hands. He says that twice. God wants whatever you're doing whatever whatever is in your hands right now whatever whatever there is to do the works of your hands the things that you're doing that might be creative works it might be just ordinary mundane day-to-day cooking and looking after children might be any number of things but God wants you to know that those works of your hands that he wants to establish them to be fruitful, that he wants to establish all that you do. It might be writing, it might be, it might be speaking into people's lives. Whatever the works of your hands is, God wants you to know he wants that to be. Established in you, that's the woman that he wants you to be. And then his word, Psalm 119, 38 says, Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. I'll tell you there's something when we start to really, oh Lord, I'm afraid to go anyway except your way. I'm afraid, I have a healthy fear of God because I know that God's way is the best way and his word is the way that we learn how to move forward. And his word is true. And he wants his word to be established to us. And he wants us to know that, that he is with us. He wants, you know, the more that we live in his word, the more the beauty comes upon our faces. Even physically, I believe we get more beautiful the more we allow our word, the word His word, to be, to be, uh, to be in our hearts, to live in the word of God. And this word says, "It establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you." When we begin to, when the, when the penny finally drops, that God's word is right, and everything else is wrong. Do you know what? Something happens that we become beautiful as we're in agreement with our Lord and we begin to see change, and we begin to see the works, the things that we're doing, we begin to see them being established. We begin to see God moving through our lives. And then there's His, um, his, his not only his, our hearts and our steps and the work of our hands and, and his word, but also there's this being established means to be maturing constantly. And I think that when, when we allow the Lord to teach us we can be constantly maturing and strengthened and settled here's what first peter five says may the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by christ jesus after you have suffered a while and listen we've all suffered a while. we don't get through this world without suffering we've all suffered a while and it says after you've suffered a while may the lord of grace perfect establish strengthen and settle you isn't that amazing that God wants to strengthen us, but also to settle us, not to be worrying about this or that, yeah. but to be established in knowing that God is actually making us wiser and stronger, and we're growing in grace <laughs> and in Him. And then there is the sixth one, which is protection from the evil one. That we would begin to realize more and more that He's a God who's faithful. Here's what 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 um, uh, what Thessalonians, um, second Thessalonians. 3, verse 3 says, um, and I just can't see where I put it, um, whereabouts, is it, I bet you haven't written it down, have I? I don't believe I have, let's just look it up because I haven't that one written down. Th- Th- Second Thessalonians, I love the way that God speaks through his word to strengthen us, to settle us, and in this case to even give us protection, from the evil one you know the enemy is out to harm us and to hurt us second Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one when well, we begin to realize that God can guard us from evil I tell you something happens when you really when that really what did we say establish was to actually sink and believe and to produce fruit when you begin to really when the penny drops that God can protect you from your enemies. Something happens that strengthens us and settles us from all this worrying. God wants us to be a people who are not stressed out and full of anxieties, but a people who are growing and a people who are settled and strengthened and maturing. And then finally, his kingdom. He wants us to be women who understand that his kingdom is established. And in in 2 Samuel Uh, verse 7 it says this is what God spoke to David when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers here was God's promise to David I will set up your seed after you and I will establish his kingdom I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever when we realize going right back to David that God was working through David's life, that through Jesus, the greater son of David, that the kingdom of God would be established. And Matthew, Matthew um, chapter 6, uh, verse 33 says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. So listen, we want to be women who are established and growing. And expecting God to move in the kingdom, expecting our lives to count for God, because God wants it to be established. So that's a real quick run through those things. But this is the thing that I believe God's saying to us. It's time to start moving in these areas. Don't get stagnant. Don't move backwards. Don't start thinking, Oh, you know, what's the left for me? How can I move forward? Realise that in all of these areas God wants you to move, to shift He wants you to move on and so i just wrote in your notes that sometimes it's after significant events in life that we realize that god has not only stretched us but deepened deepened our faith to affect permanent change and so after all the pain of david and through after all that he had come through and i know that many of you have come through or maybe coming through right today you're coming through difficult times but so often it's after significant times that are maybe very difficult or something very significant has happened it's often at that particular time that we have like david that we get a revelation that actually god's done something more on us have you ever noticed that when you're going through suffering or you're going through a difficulty or a really hard time it's often in that tough situation that when in the middle of it or when it's just over you realize you've shifted You realise that actually God has done something to actually create something more in you, a greater capacity for God. And I've just put in your notes that at those times, often we recognise that God has moved us into a new place. That's what being established means. It means that we're not not only confident of what's happened in the past, but we're ready to go forward. He wants to move us into the new place for the new thing. And when we know this, we know that we're moving in God. But you know, we also know that, that, so long as we've got breath, God will continue to expand us. But we also need to know that, so long as we've got breath, if there's an enemy, enemy out there who wants to stop us, who doesn't want us to move, who wants us to keep going backwards and round in circles and doesn't want us to move into all that God has for us. And so David had moved very significant times. Oh, good blesses, what was that? <laughs> That's the anointing. (laughs) It was a very significant time for David because he had just been crowned. He had just been brought into unity. Let me tell you something. Three things actually the enemy hates. He hates us to be established in God. And he hates us to be in unity with each other. What happens whenever brethren and sisters dwell together in unity? The Lord commands... blessing i'll tell you when there is unity the enemy does not want to see us moving forward he wants to keep us he wants to keep us and if he could make us go backwards but if he can't make us go backwards he wants to keep us where we are he doesn't want us to move so david was established and he was in unity but one other really really important thing he had been anointed He had a fresh anointing and i'll tell you something that satan hates the anointing he hates god's anointing on our lives and so as we get established in him and we come into line with heaven god just pours out the oil of anointing on us and if we're in unity with each other and we're getting established in god i'll tell you We need to know that the enemy will try to stop us. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see how the Philistines came out against David. And we're going to see how David won the battle. And I want to tell you that that no matter what comes against you, if all hell comes against you, I want to tell you that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, I want to tell you that he's already established you and he's already won the victory. And so we're going to look at the story of David. It's interesting that... that, um, that, t- that Isaiah ten twenty seven in the King James Version, I referred to it last week, it says the anointing breaks the yoke. When we know God's anointing, when we're one with God and the Holy Spirit's anointing us, I'll tell you we can break anything the enemy tries to put us into bondage with. And the other one was Psalm 133 when brethren and sisters dwell in unity. So the the um, the Philistines decided to attack. Let's just read this story now from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, and let's look at verse 17. And here's what it says. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David, do you hear that? When he knows that you're moving and God's anointing, it says, when the Philistines heard that they'd anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Just want to stop there for a moment. He went down to the stronghold. Do you know what? David shows us by his actions what we should do. Now it wasn't it was probably a physical place. The stronghold was probably some particular place that was very safe. Maybe some people think it was the cave of Adullam. Apparently that was a long distance away, so it probably wasn't that. But it may have been another cave or another place that was very safe. But he went to the stronghold to talk to God. And I want to tell you ladies that in the moment of crisis, in the moment where where the enemy comes out against you, and it might be to attack you in a certain area that you're very weak in. Because that's what he tends to do. He tends, we finished off last week with that, how we all have besetting sins. We all have areas in our lives. All of us have areas in our lives. Some it's more obvious than others. Some that that might be, uh, it might be uh, greed or it might be uh, gossip or it could be something that's maybe more easily hidden than addiction or something else. But every single one of us have an area that the enemy attacks because he knows that's an area where he can usually get in. But the thing is that we have a stronghold. We have someone we can run to. When the enemy comes against you in those moments and you know, oh my goodness, I'm going to go down again, you run to the stronghold and the stronghold is Christ. You get to Christ and to his word and you begin to believe what he says instead of what the enemy says. And there's some just fabulous verses about the stronghold. And um, they are, the first one I wanted to mention just was Nahum 1 verse 7. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. So there will be difficult times in our lives, yes, but you know what? God wants you to know you can just run and cry out for help to Jesus. And he knows how to bring you through. He knows you. Did you notice what the verse says? He knows those who trust in him. He knows everything about you. And he knows that area of weakness and he knows how to get you through. And that's what he wants to do. So we see that, that these Philistines were coming out. And, uh, and they, isn't it interesting that when God was moving in David's life, that the enemy also moved. And that's what I find again and again. When God starts to move you and you feel yourself shifting and you know that you're beginning to overcome stuff, I can tell you that the, the Lord will move and wants to move you, but the enemy will move to try to stop you. So you need to be aware of that and don't think it's strange when it happens. It's the normal. It's the norm. You've come against us. But the reason we come together is so that we might learn together and encourage each other, that we might grow and become established in God, that we might be women who know who we are, know that we're rooted and grounded in him, know that with him we can do anything, and that we can overcome those areas of weakness, those things that have caused us problems in the past. And so we need to remember that the enemy will move. But you see, we're not going, in in the sense we're moving with God, but the enemy's not going to move us. Do you know why? Because we're in the rock. We're on the rock. And if you look up um, in Psalm 18, verse 2, David said, the Lord's my rock, and he's my fortress, my stronghold, and he's my deliverer. And God wants us to, to actually become established in knowing that God is our deliverer. And that these things are not too hard. He's going to take us through. I often say, whenever difficulties come, and I, I know we all have our ups and downs, I know that's normal. And so often when I'm talking to people, I know this because I know it myself, I've proved it and I've learned over the years that the times that I take a downer and I think, oh, I've maybe failed or I've you know, done something I'm ashamed of or whatever, those times that used to take me so long to get over, I have learned through my life to say, confess it, ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I know I'm not feeling very uplifted at the moment. But I know maybe tomorrow, or maybe this afternoon, or maybe next week, I know you'll take me up again. And I, and I started to say, "And oh God, I know I'm going up higher. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anyway. It's never just up a little bit, it's always higher. If you let him work through that difficulty and through that failure, he'll take you higher each time. It's an ongoing journey. It's amazing. And so David went to the stronghold. And it tells us that when he was in the stronghold, here's what it says. Verse, it says, that the, verse 18, the Philistines also went and deployed themselves, or another translation says spread themselves out in the valley of Rehem. Now the valley of Rehem means, the word Rehem means giants, And isn't it interesting when the enemy comes against you and against me that he takes us usually to a valley? What do we think about when we think of a valley? We think of going through a hard place, don't we? And the enemy wants to take you to a valley and he wants to take you to a valley where there are giants. And he wants to bring up the old giants, the things that have defeated you in the past. And he wants to face you head on and and make you afraid. And no wonder David wrote in Psalm 23, no wonder he wrote... um, in verse, um, where is it? Verse, verse four, where David wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David said, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. And you see, we need to become women who are becoming established, and we know we can go through this. And with God's help, and God's comfort, and God's encouragement. But you know, God wants us to be real, and He wants us to mourn and to grieve. It's not that we pretend, we experience. The realities as we lose people and as we grieve and all of that but god always brings us through and it's through those times those valley experiences i would love sometime to talk to you about all the different valley experiences in the bible just amazing the beauty in the valley going through the valley can be so painful but god wants us to know that he can he's jesus has already overcome the giant the biggest giant we have is, is our enemy satan himself he's been defeated That giant has been defeated. And so God wants to take us through. And so these, can you just imagine that? Remember David had had slayed Goliath. He slayed that giant in his youth. And now he's just been established and he's been made king of Israel. And here he is and the enemy's coming out again. And it's not just one, but it's the Philistines are just spreading out right across the valley. And it's the valley of giants. That's what life's like sometimes. We think we've dealt with something. But the enemy gets in the back door and he just Pops it up in front of us again. And so here's David. And he's, he's got himself to the stronghold. He's asked God. It says in verse 19, So David inquired of the Lord. He was in the stronghold. He was in the place where he could ask of the Lord. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Do you see how, how David brought his problem to the Lord? Do you see how he got himself to the stronghold of the strong place? He got himself to God, and then he started to ask God about the particular situation. And I'm telling you, girls, there will be difficulties. And if you're moving forward, and I believe many of you are, if you're moving forward and and becoming more established in the things of God and, and, and looking for that new thing to spring out of your life, I'll tell you the enemy will move too, and he will try to bring fear into your life, and he'll try to bring back old fears, and he'll try to stop you from moving. And God wants us to move. But the thing with this, let me read on what it says. And I love these verses. Because the Lord, said to, the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. I believe that's a word for at least one person in here today. That God said, go up, for I will doubtless give you victory. I will doubtless deliver the Philistines. I love the fact that God can give us a word that is sure and steadfast so it says so david went he went to a place called baal perizim and david defeated them there and he said the lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water therefore david called the name of that place baal perizim and they left their images there and david and his men carried them away i want to just stop there for a moment isn't it very, very interesting that when David uh, called out to God what he should do, that God said to go up, and he gave him a promise that he would deliver David's enemies. Now, Baal Perazim means the place of the breakthrough. It means the Lord who breaks out our breakthrough. And I believe that God wants you to know today that he can give you breakthrough. And I'm, I'm guessing and I sense in my spirit that there's a lot of you and you feel in your heart that you need breakthrough in a particular situation. And I believe this is a word from the Lord this morning, that he is the God who can give you that breakthrough. The, the, um, when it happened, when David got the breakthrough, the New Living Translation says, the Lord did it. He recognized it was the Lord that had done it. David exclaimed, he said, the Lord burst through my enemies like a raging flood. I'll tell you god can there's nothing as powerful as water for breaking through you know when you see those big dams and where the dam bursts and the water comes out my it's devastating what can happen with the power of that and then i began to think i've been thinking the last couple of days about you know how a woman's waters break before the baby's born and uh, i've been thinking about that over the weekend and i had i have a nephew called harry jones and his wife was pregnant and they he was to bring her down to Craigavon Hospital to have her baby, bringing her in on Sunday night. So he was brought the wee bag to stay at my house. They weren't expecting anything until yesterday morning. So been very conscious of of, um, of of childbirth. So he was he, he was with us. He stayed with us on Sunday night and early uh, Monday morning, uh, about a quarter to seven, uh, his wife Jordan phoned to say that pains had started and that they were taking her down to the delivery suite. Now this was at a quarter to ten. Jane was somewhere upstairs and she says that at uh, between ten and five to seven he was standing in the hall with a case and all in his hands ready to go so there was no shower and there was nothing. Jane says I don't even think he got to the toilet, he just ran. (laughs) So he's in the hall and I'm busy trying to give him a bit of of words of wisdom you know because I had been thinking about this and a beautiful little girl was born yesterday. Her name is Jemima. Jemima Jones, and uh, so uh, and her her mother's Jordan Jones. So uh, I, we just love the name. So anyway, the, the last few days I've been thinking about childbirth, and I've been thinking about a lot about how it's apparently it's a transition period, where just that last bit before the baby emerges, it's called the transition, and in that time that's the scariest time for the mother. And I was reading up on this and how at that time the mother can start to really panic and begin to get really scared that it's not, she's not going to be able to deliver, can't do this, overcome with fear, just begin to get very disorientated. It's just at that moment. And, it, and and I read up somewhere that the best thing that that, that that can happen then is for the woman to focus and to focus on her breathing. It's not all you see all the all the movies like in it all. But I started to <laughs> think I started to think about how spiritually spiritually you might have prayed for something for a long time and very often it's a bit like you know as you pray and wait on the Lord and trust the Lord it's a bit like conceiving isn't it by faith it's a bit like by faith you're believing and it's a bit like your you know your hope is expanding just the way a pregnant woman you know that expands and and you see the the signs of, of the child coming forth but at that particular moment where the, the last, just the, the transition, the last moment where she panics and she feels, I can't do this, I need pain relief, I can't do this, and she begins to panic. What she needs then is she needs to focus on her breathing. And I started to think how spiritually, when we have waited for a long time, and we're just, it's just the, 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 before the breaking of the dawn, just before God's going to bring it forth, how often it's at that moment that actually we panic? And we think God's never going to do this. And we get into a real panic and a doubt and fear and all the rest of it. But it's just at that moment we need to focus on our spiritual breathing. We need to start focus out. Breathe out all the lies that the enemy's telling you. All the fear. Breathe it out. And breathe in all that God says. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, spiritually, we need to be women who focus on our breathing. Breathing out the enemy's stuff. Breathing in what God's saying that we're getting ready and then the second thing that i was looking up that she needs is she needs words of encouragement she needs her husband and the people around her especially her husband to come and say you can do this i love you you can do this come on let's let's push now you gotta push and as at that moment then just when the woman has panicked and just thinks it's not going to happen out comes this baby and harry was telling me last night about how how this happened. And so yesterday morning I'm busy telling him, no, you've got a reminder, the transition period, Harry, and I'm getting this wee lecture in the hall as he's trying to get out the door. And then remember now, I thought, help her to focus on her breathing and help keep encouraging her. So off he goes with his wee bag yesterday morning. and He was back last night all proud of himself, <laughs> and uh, he had done all the work, hadn't he? <laughs> and so, I love this about God giving us breakthrough, and I want to tell you if you've waited a long time, you're maybe just in the transition period where God's about to burst out. You don't want to miss that, you don't want to turn away and say God's not going to work, you want to hang in there because it's going to happen. God keeps his promises, God keeps his word, God is faithful. It tells us actually, if we read on, and we did read it actually, that they, they, they defeated the enemy. And the Philistines left their false gods, their idols, and ran away. It's very, very interesting that in First Chronicles 14, it tells us that whenever, it gives a little bit more detail about this same story, and it tells us that when they left their idols, that David gave a command to burn the idols. I'll tell you stuff, we've all got idols in our hearts. We've all got things that we kind of, you know, we prefer maybe to give our time to instead of giving our time to God. I'll tell you, there comes a time where idols have to go. You should have no other God before me. We need to lay down stuff because it's not going to bring us any joy or happiness. Just get rid of it. And the best way to get rid of it is to burn it. That's what David did. And so uh, that was the the first time. So can you imagine that the enemy, after coming against David and and coming and spreading himself over this valley of giants and after being defeated, mean thoroughly defeated, What does it do? After a little while it says, in a little while, then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rahim. What did they do? They came back again to the exact same spot. How often in your life have you found that the enemy has attacked you in a certain area and they keep coming back again to that same area? usually what he does because he doesn't have new tricks and the enemy works on the assumption that well if that's worked before it'll probably work again we'll have a go and so the enemy came back even though they'd been defeated he had the cheek to come back into the same place to um speak to david and here's the thing where i think a lot of us fail. so often when the enemy comes against us in life and we're facing something that maybe god has given us victory before on some occasion so often we just imagine well she'll sure, just do what it did before and we almost act like a robot. Instead of going to God again and and asking God about it and what am I to do this time, Lord? You know, instead of God doesn't want us to be, to be like clockwork. He doesn't want us to be robots. He wants a relationship with you. So he wants you to talk over the problem. And if the enemies come back in the same area, he doesn't want you just to say, oh, we'll just do this and this and this, that's what he did before. No, he wants you to go and talk to him about it and ask him, what should you do? And he will show you through his word. He will direct your steps. And in this case, David says, says it, David, therefore David, it says, verse 23, inquired of the Lord and he said, and the Lord said to David, you shall not go up. So the first time he told David to go up and face the, the, the enemy head on. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes if there's a problem staring you in the face, particular situation, sometimes God snudges you and he says, just go straight up and face that straight on. But on this particular occasion, God didn't do that. It's says David inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, you shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. I think it's really interesting that sometimes God tells us to face something up front, and other times he says, no, just wait. Just wait. And circle around and come, when we say coming from a different angle, I think it's almost like coming in a different <laughs> spirit. You know if somebody comes against you and they're 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 maybe very angry about something, when you come, what's the opposite to anger? Peace. Peace. If you approach it from the different angle and you come in, from, in a different spirit to them and you come in peace, it breaks the power of the enemy over a situation. If you've got someone who is, is throwing out threats at you and speaking negatively over you, if you come in a different spirit, come up behind them in a different spirit and you start speaking words of love and words of blessing over them, it breaks the power of the enemy and you won't have to do much fighting because the Lord will do it because you're obeying him and you're coming in a different spirit. You're not coming in the spirit of the world that says, you hit me, so I will slap you. No, you're saying, you hit me and I love you. That's what Jesus did. And so God's given real practical advice to David and he's telling David to wait for the mulberry trees are. It's really interesting that the mulberry trees, uh, that they are thought to be, they, apparently they produce like a, a sap and uh, that's almost like a teardrop. So it's almost like the mulberry trees talk about weeping. And I I think so often when we're in a difficult situation and the enemy comes against us, it's often during a time of weeping. And so God's saying, you need to get round behind the enemy. And David's saying, you need to get to the mulberry trees. And let me just read what the Lord said. He said, And it shall be when you hear, this is is in the mulberry trees, when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the the, the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. He drove back the enemy. I'll tell you, when we go to God in every situation and go looking for him to give us a direct word for that particular situation, God will take us forward. And God will take us forward into victory where we can push back the enemy. Now, I just think this story about the mulberry trees is just blesses me so much. When you hear the sound of marching in the top of the mulberry trees, Imagine that God was in the trees. Imagine that God was marching in the trees. The trees speak of weeping. The sap coming out of the trees. In your weeping, in your lowest, deepest hour, God is marching in the midst of it with you. Isn't that just amazing? What an awesome sound to hear God marching. You see... I love what it says in, uh, in Psalm 68. There's a couple of examples here before we, we go this morning, and it just feels be really good for us just to mention. Psalm 68 talks about God marching. Let me just find it here. Psalm 68. And it says, "O God, verse seven, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook and the heaven also dropped rain, the presence of God Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God the God of Israel and then it goes on down to say the Lord gave the word great was the company of those who proclaimed it I'll tell you it's in our deepest lowest times the times of weeping that God is marching for you and God is marching with you. And God will give you the word. The, the 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 actual Hebrew word that is mentioned here is a word that means, I'm going to look it up because I have it here, the actual meaning of it. It means to preach or to drop down a word from heaven that's like water that will fall in drops. It's like a word from God that will flow the way rain flows onto you that will cause words to flow. This particular word is in used in Psalm sixty eight especially means like prophetic words. It means it actually means preach, but it actually means it literally means that God will drop his word into you. And I'll tell you when God marches, things shake And the presence of God is tangible. But like a raindrop would flow over you, God's word would flow over you. Isn't that just beautiful? That God wants to speak like raindrops. He wants you to know. He wants you to know and receive his word in those difficult times. It's also very interesting that in Judges 5 and 4, when Deborah was winning the fight, she experienced God moving and marching as well and here's what she says in in judges five and four lord when you went out from seir you marched from the field of edom and the earth trembled and the heavens this the heavens uh, poured and the mountains gushed before the lord this sinai before the lord god of israel Deborah also knew that the Lord was with her. And in fact, I couldn't get into the story of Deborah, but anyway, that's another one. But there's something that God wants you to know about how he wants to pour his word over you. And then finally, as we begin to wind up, because I don't want to keep you late, I kept you late (coughs) last week. I think it's really, really important to know that the mulberry tree, um, the place where God meets with us, uh, we actually believe that Psalm 84, which is called um, the Valley of Baca, Many believe that's the same valley as, as the Valley of Giants, the Valley of Rephaim, the weeping and the giants. That's where God meets with us. That's where God wants us to know that he's with us. God told David to come from the different direction and to wait until he would hear the sound of God marching in the trees. And, and you see, there's something about marching in the trees. I believe with all my heart that when this happened in zechariah chapter uh, when this happened in this particular situation with david i think it's really important that we understand that god was marching but the heavenly army was marching the angels that the heavenly host is made up of god and the angels and in your moment of difficulty god is marching with you but also the angels are with you. And I believe we need to have a greater understanding and a greater appreciation of how God sends his angels to minister to us in the times of greatest difficulty, going through the valleys, going through the giants, the time of attack, the time of bereavement, the time of difficulty, the time of doubt, all of that. God sends his angels out as ministering angels to come. And that's what was happening in this situation. As they heard... As they heard the marching, it was a sense of the presence of God moving in the trees, giving the sign. It's time, David, it's time to go up against the enemy now. And it's time for you to push back the enemy. And the angels were there to help push back the enemy. You are never on your own. God is with you. And there's an angelic force around you to help you in every situation in life. Zechariah 1 verse 11 gives us a picture of the angel of the Lord standing amongst the myrtle trees. You see God in amongst the trees so often. And, uh, and, and it says, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. So you see God standing in amongst these myrtle trees and these angels with him. And these angels have been on patrol. They've been patrolling through the earth. You see, this earth, there are angels all over this world and they're patrolling and they're at God's command. They're ready to do what God's calling them to do because God's big plan is coming to pass. And the angels are on patrol. And you need to know that, that the angels are like security guards, not only across the world, not only in the heavenlies, but the angels of God are security guards for you and for your life and for the life of your family. And you can pray in agreement with heaven, and you can say, Lord, would you send out your angels to minister to this loved one or to that one or whatever. And we have prayed for many of those in the, in the prayer room earlier this morning. But we can do it with confidence, because we're told to come confident, with confidence. Come boldly to the throne of grace. We're told to come, and God has the armies of heaven at his command. Amen. Nothing too hard for him. And so finally, the battles of life are already won through Christ. And the breakthrough is already secured. As by faith we walk, or we move, if you like, we move into that obedience and into that anointing and into that unity with Christ, into that being established with Christ and with each other. I've written in your notes, we will without doubt experience victory and we will see God bringing forth his purpose in our lives. I would just love this morning that you could leave here. I've prayed coming in that the Holy Spirit would actually take the word and there might be things I've said that are not for you, but I've prayed coming in, Holy Spirit, would you take whatever word you want to put into each of these women's hearts, would you take it and plant it? Remember, being established is about the planting. It's about being open to receive as God brings us to maturity, as he grows us. As he, as he plants the seeds for what he wants to do in your life. He plants the seeds that will help you to carry that promise, just like you carry the baby. He plants the seed that it will expand with hope that you will grow. And you know in pregnancy you expand, don't you? you get bigger. And that's what God wants to do as you as you are getting stronger and as he plants his word in you, he wants your faith to grow and to expand, that you can carry more of Christ in everything you do and that his purposes will be birthed in you and that you will actually go through the birthing process and when the scary time comes and you're just, just before the breaking of the dawn, that you're going to say, I'm going to breathe out the enemy's lies and I'm going to breathe in what God says. And with God's help, I know he loves me, and you hear the whisper from heaven, I love you, you can do it, go for it, push. There's a pushing. Push until something happens, P-U-S-H. Push the purposes of God in your life. Carry what God's given you to carry, because there's purpose in every single one of your lives. And I believe you're growing, and this, these meetings are not just for to have a wee meeting, they're to actually grow us and establish us, we're ready to move in and see the new thing happening may it come lord jesus we pray amen just love that we could stand and sing this song love we could sing it again because there's quite a lot in it that is what we've spoken about today And, uh, and then we'll be ready to pray with anyone who wants prayer today